0: To Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I'm here to tell you about all things strange and unusual from my wee homeland Scotland. Before we get into it I would like to ask anyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences. They do not have to be from here in Scotland. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab then please do get in touch. You can email us at scared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scared. If you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share whatever you may be listening to us. It really does help us out and a massive thanks to everyone who already has. Well, hello folks. Uh, I have a lot to catch you up on before we get into today's episode, so please do bear with me. Uh, So let's just start. I have been MIA for a few weeks now. That is because of a few things. I had COVID to start with, which was unpleasant, but I am absolutely fine. I'm fully vaccinated, so I don't know if that was the reason why I found it quite easy. I didn't find it too awful. Yeah, so I had COVID and then I got better and I was fine. And then my laptop decided to completely have a breakdown. I have no idea what happened to it. The people that fixed it have no idea what happened to it. It just had a meltdown. This laptop that I use is specifically for podcasting, so... I don't do it, use it for anything else. And I was looking up today's episode. I was just doing a bit of research and it just completely started it started glitching and making these weird noises. The newspaper articles I was trying to read were just like freezing. So I just decided to let it have a rest for a couple of days. And it has actually fixed itself. So that is the reason why I've been missing but all is good everything is well all the negative stuff is gone so that's why i'm back and i am so excited to share some new stories with another thing i was lucky enough to recently be featured on an episode of unexplained inc where i talked to phantom phil the host just about my show uh we talked about a lot of the episodes we went through the episodes and i just kind of gave a bit ba- like a brief kind of summary on what the episode was about i tried to give like a few maybe like extra facts that maybe weren't in the episodes and we i just had a general chat with phil who is lovely and if you would like to listen to that episode please go check out unexplained inc if you're interested in my show you want to hear a bit about myself a bit more that you maybe don't know or you're just interested in this kind of stuff please do go listen to unexplained inc they are an amazing podcast they are the same as me they talk about ufos they talk about ghosts folklore uh they do they talk about a lot of psychic phenomenon as well so if that's something you're interested in please do go check them out. They are lovely people and I'm sure they would welcome you with open arms. I do have another collab coming up at the end of October, so keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for that. Now, next week, I am going to Yorkshire for a week, so I am putting this out there. If anyone has any spooky recommendations or places that I can visit while I'm there that are just a bit strange or they have ghost stories behind them or anything like that, please get in touch and let me know and I will be sure to give it a wee visit. Uh, I've done some looking but I can't really find anything, so if you guys know of anything, it would be greatly appreciated if you could let me know. And at the time you're listening to this episode, it should be October 1st, so so happy spooky season everybody, although you know Halloween is a lifestyle, it's not just a day to me, I am the Halloween queen and uh, yeah, just happy spooky season, I hope everyone's having a great time, the leaves are changing, um, the wind is changing, I don't know if anybody can relate to that but there was just like one day last week where I walked outside and I could literally feel the change in the air, so that's exciting. If you've followed us on Instagram you will know that last year we took a photograph to kind of celebrate the 1st of October. It was my cousin and I, Shannon, who used to be a co-host, and we dressed up as ghosts in the park and we took this funny photo and we put it on our Instagram and we really enjoyed doing it. So we want to kind of carry on the tradition. This year we're going to post it on Halloween and we're just going to use it as our Halloween post. Uh, But this time I'm going to be doing it with my nephews. So we are going to be doing our ghosty photo. Every Halloween we're going to do it in a different location, doing a different activity, this year, we're not sure what we're going to do yet, but we have a location, so that should be a lots of fun. And if any of you guys do the whole ghost photo thing, where you put the sheet on and you take a photo, send it to us or tag us in it. I'd really like to see them. I think they're so much fun and they're just, they're just spooky. And lastly, I would just like to give a massive thank you to anybody who has messaged me in the past couple of weeks. Uh, I get a lot of messages from you listeners who just like to tell me that you're enjoying the show and I must say that hearing that so many people enjoy it makes me want to do it more. I really wasn't expecting anybody to like it. I was maybe expecting like my friends and family who enjoy spooky tales to like it. But I have had so many messages. Like, it's been really lovely and it's made me feel a lot better. And it's basically like a fire under me to try and get this these episodes done as many as possible, as soon as possible. Because I just enjoy making people smile and I like telling stories and just hearing that people enjoy listening to it has really just, it's given me a little bit of a pep in my set, so to say. And even just people getting in touch just to chat, I'll always message back. I'm not like one of those people that doesn't do that. If you message me, I'll message you back. If you email me, I'll email you back. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of you because you've really made me feel better the past couple of weeks. And it's just, as I said, it's lit a lot of fire under me to take this really seriously get things done um I've really you know wrote out my schedule I've put all my time scheduled all my time to do recording editing all that yeah stay tuned guys I'm really excited for the next couple of months I'm really excited for the collabs coming up I'm excited to share more stories with you and I'm just excited so big thank you and without further ado let me stop boring you with my ranting personal boring stuff and let's just get into today's episode. So today we are going to be talking about the village of Curis which can be found in Fife. If you look it up it will it's spelled C U L R O S S so it looks like it's pronounced Corros but it's actually Curis. So um if you're wanting to look into this or visit it's C U L R O S S. Uh yeah, so we're going to be talking about Curis. Uh this village was once a royal bar and a very busy seaport, as it is located on the Firth and Forth, which is like a river here in Scotland. It was known for exporting salt and coal up until the 18th century. It's also known to have been the birthplace of St. Mungo. So for those of you who don't know, or you aren't familiar with the story of St. Mungo, uh, he is the patron saint and the founder of the city of Glasgow. The story goes that in 1185... His mother, Princess Thaneva, thaneva apologies if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, she fell pregnant after a very inappropriate encounter with her cousin and when her father found out he was just so disgusted that he tied his pregnant daughter to a chariot and he launched it off a large mound known as Traprane Law, which is actually still visible today near Edinburgh. So it's kind of just like, it's not a mountain, but it's like a mound, it's like a volcano, it's on a volcano. So he just launched her off there, obviously expecting it to kill her. And that would be the end of it. But luckily she actually made it to the bottom intact and was not injured. So because she survived and she was absolutely fine, uh, she was accused of then being a witch, of course. And they then decided to put her in a small boat with no oars and set it off down the river For Her boat drifted up the river until it finally came ashore at Curis and this is where St. Mungo, or Kentigern, as he's also known, was born. And he has a whole other story of his own that I won't fully go into today. If you'd like to hear we talk about patron saints then give me a message I'm sure I could do that for you but I won't talk about too much of it today just to be transparent there is another there is a few other versions of the story of St Mungo there is one that says that the princess was launched off the mound or the mountain and she actually fell into a river and she survived she floated down the river and she bumped into a little boat jumped in and that's when she came the village of Curis but that is actually there's a lot of different versions but I'll just just to be clear. Today the town is owned by the National Trust of Scotland and they are responsible for maintaining some of the more historical buildings there such as the townhouse and Curis Palace which I will be talking a bit more in detail later on in the episode. Some of you may be familiar with this town as it was featured on the show Outlander. I myself have never seen the show But I might have to give it a watch after this. Now, I had a listener message me about this on Instagram. She was asking if I had ever um, heard of the village of Curis. And I told her that it was actually on the schedule as an upcoming episode. So, thank you to the listener for messaging me. And I hope you enjoy this episode. There are tours you can take where they will take you to the many filming locations around the town. If that is something you're interested in, then definitely give it a go. As I said I have never seen the show. Uh, My dad has seen it but I've never seen it. All that aside the town is just a very charming little place and it really is like stepping back in time when you go there. There are loads of little narrow cobbled streets with small rows of houses on each side as well as paths near the water. As I said it was a port town at one point and there are also lots of woodland paths to walk as well. So it is very lovely. Very quaint, it's just like what you picture a little beautiful Scottish village to look like. Although idyllic and peaceful, the village of Curious also has its share of bloody history. And that is what we are going to be diving into today, my friends. There are a wide variety of things that I'm going to be talking about, such as witches, torture and of course ghosties. So without further ado, let's dive right on into the weird stuff. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, you'll probably know all about the witch trials that swept the UK and Europe during the 16th through to the 18th century. You'll also know that Scotland had a substantially higher number of trials and executions than the rest of the UK, the reason for this is still very unclear and Curis was one of the places to be affected by the hysteria. At the time of the trials there were estimated to be around 380 people. Most of them women accused of witchcraft, which not all of them were tried and executed. That number was a lot lower in Curis. When the accused were being held before their trial, the authorities would try their hardest to extract a confession just to kind of hammer it home that they were definitely witches. And many methods were used. Torture was obviously the main method of extracting these confessions and it was definitely used in Curis I'm not going to go into the different torture methods that were used. If you want to know about them, then check out our Scottish Witch Trials episode where I talk about it in detail. But I do want to share a few stories I read while looking into this. In the village there is a townhouse built that was built in 1626 which had a toll booth and was being used as a court and a prison at the time. There were so many women being held there that some of them had to be transferred to neighbouring towns before their trial. The first story that I came across was that of Mary Cunningham who was arrested along with her daughter in 1644. They actually filed a complaint to the council regarding their treatment while imprisoned, which can still be read today. They were both arrested without reason or a warrant, and while they were imprisoned, Mary states, quote, When they put us in the prison, they closet their officers and hang men to ties naked rape and search our bodies and secret members for Witchmark and when they found none upon us they put sackcloth gowns upon us and locked our legs in iron and would suffer us no meat or drink to come into us by other than the jailer who satisfied his own appetite with it. Famine and cold brought great misery and sickness to us. After this complaint there were no more records of Mary or her daughter in custody or at trial so many believe that she actually did go on to win her case against it against the court and council and she was probably set free along with her daughter but that is not confirmed so basically these poor ladies were you know stripped naked assaulted looking for witch marks which you know don't exist and they obviously never found any and when these people didn't find any they were put in horrible you know scratchy clothing their legs were locked in iron and they were just made to sit. They weren't allowed to eat, they weren't allowed to drink, they were starved, so not very nice. The second story was that of Helen Elliot, who was imprisoned in 1684. There are no official records of her time in prison or her trial, but there are a few letters written by an unknown man who had witnessed her execution firsthand. In his letters, he stated, I had the curiosity when I was a scholar to pass over from Borustinus to Curius to see a notable witch burnt. She was carried out to her place of execution in a chair by four men. By reason her legs and her belly were broken by one of the devil's cunning tricks which he played her. This woman was watched in the steeple of Curus by two men, John Shank and John Drummond, who being weary went on to another room where there was a fire to take a pipe. To secure her, she had her legs put in stocks and locked into them. No sooner were they out the room when the devil came for her. He embraced her and carried her away out of the prison at which she exclaimed, Oh God, where are you taking me? At this, the devil dropped her where she broke both her legs and her belly. It is said the imprint of her heels was left in the grass for many years and brought many tourists to the area to see. So clearly, these two men who were in charge of keeping watching Helen were doing an absolutely shocking job And most likely she escaped and jumped from the window and both her legs were bound so she, that's probably why she broke both her legs. And in the process she managed to disembowel herself it would seem from the whole broken belly. I don't know what that means specifically but if I had to guess I would maybe say disemboweling or something like that. And instead of just owning up and saying, oh we aren't watching her, (laughs) she must have got out and it was an accident, they just blamed the devil and everyone believed them. So, wow, that is, uh, yeah, great. Uh, The window that she supposedly jumped from can still be seen today at the townhouse. I'm not 100% on which window it is, but I'm sure if you ask somebody, they'll just tell you. There are a lot of other stories just like this one that happened in Curious, and it's just a lot of the same. These women were accused without evidence, imprisoned, tortured executed hung burnt whichever method took their fancy that day and their treatment while in prison wasn't exactly great so if hearing these stories interest you there is a register you can look at of the many people who were accused of witchcraft across scotland which would tell you their like their name their date of birth like location their crimes if it went to trial and what the outcome was It's not known exactly how many were specifically from Curious, but many of them can be seen in the register. So, for example, there was one, for example, there was one uh, named Joni Umphra and her states that her, like, record states that her crime was, quote, she had confessed to the crime and had meetings in confidence with the devil, end quote. So, it's kind of like a mishmash of that kind of thing. Definitely check it out if you would like more information. The overall number of executed is unclear. There was said to be around 30 people tried and killed, but there were also records found which just state some witches burnt. So the number could be much, much higher than that. We just don't know. On a lighter note, in September last year there was a remembrance event held in Curis to remember the woman who died, not only in Curis, but in neighbouring villages, Toryburn and Valleyfield. There were three memorial plaques placed on the Fife Coastal Path, which is a path that links like all these little villages, and they can be seen along the way. The purpose of the event was also a launch for the accused Witches of Scotland group, whose goal is to get a national memorial of the accused witches across the whole of Scotland which I think would be a good thing. It was also held to celebrate the birth of Lily Aidy who I have actually covered on the show. There is an entire episode dedicated to her story because she is actually a relative of my cousin. I thought it was only right I did her story justice and gave her her own episode. Uh, She was an accused witch and her story is really sad so if you again are really interested and you haven't listened to it and give her episode a wee listen and if you want to learn a bit more about the trials or the people that affected head over to the remembering the accused witches of scotland twitter or facebook page and get involved in some way i haven't 100% looked into this group uh, i just did a brief like look over and they just they seem like they just want to do some good uh and remember these women and men, there were men as well, uh, who were falsely accused, so go check them out as well. Although the treatment of these accused witches wasn't exactly great, apparently it was all criminals that were treated poorly in this little village. I came across a few stories saying that criminals would be branded with the letter S like in a quite a visible spot so everyone could see and the S stood for sinner. And I find this really funny because I know a lot of people who would probably do this to themselves just for the fun of it, Uh, so it just seems a bit redundant. They were also known to take some lawbreakers up to Mercer Cross at like the town square and nail their ears to the stocks which I'm not exactly sure what the lesson is to be learned from that but anywho. Moving on from witches, we have a few ghosties to talk about. One of the main buildings you will see if you visit this place is Curis Palace. Now don't get me wrong, this place is very beautiful, the building inside and out but it's not what you picture a palace to look like. I would say it's more of a manor or a mansion, a Because when I say palace, the first thing I think about is Aladdin for some reason. Like the Sultan's palace. It doesn't look like that. It just looks like a, it's a really, really big mansion or manor or that kind of thing. And the outside of it, the walls are like a mustardy yellow colour and the roof's kind of like that red uh, tile kind of look. So it actually reminds me of like a Spanish building, but it's really gorgeous. Just so you kind of got an image of it in your mind. Sorry, this is completely side noted, but I've just looked out my window and there's like a massive rainbow. Um, Yeah, easily distracted people. So the palace was built in the late 16th to early 17th century by Sir George Bruce, George himself was a very successful merchant who traded with other ports on the fourth. among other places. He mostly dealt in coal mining, salt production and shipping and due to his dealings in foreign trade, the palace was constructed of many different materials from all over the world and the interior was the same with many decorative murals and painted ceilings. Now I talked about this in a previous episode about painted ceilings, but why do we not do that anymore? Like it's so cool. Like you know when you see someone that's got like a navy painted ceiling, so it kind of looks like a night sky and there's like swirls and clouds. I think that is so cool. Like I wish I could paint my ceiling that colour, but I'm, I'm not brave enough. I, I've I've got a black bedroom. My whole every wall in my room is black, so that's a bit extreme enough. I just love the look of painted ceilings. I think it looks really cool, really like whimsical. Love it. Absolutely love it. It also has a lot large large walled garden which was restored by the national trust when they took over the property and they've tried to keep it as close to a 17th century garden as possible with the many herbs and fruit trees being common to the time period now you can take tours around the palace and you can also take little walks around the garden and have a wee look at the herbs and the different fruits and stuff that they grow there so very beautiful sir george bruce lived in the palace with his wife lady margaret and their eight children And for the most part, from what I could find, they had a very happy life together. Uh, I couldn't find any discrepancies or just anything negative. They just seem to have a really nice life. So George's ghost is one of the more common ones seen throughout the palace and is known to be a somewhat very friendly ghost. He's seen counting his money in the stone vaulted room and wards off any adults who interrupt him or try to get too close to his money. But if he's interrupted by a child, he simply smiles and waves. So he's a very pleasant ghost. There is even a story of a young girl who during a tour walked off into a restricted exhibit And when they found her, she was sitting at the desk chatting and laughing with someone who wasn't visible to the human eye. When they asked her who she was talking to, she replied she was speaking to the nice man with the funny white thing around his neck and hairy face. They then went upstairs to the painting room and showed showed her a painting of Sir George Bruce and she simply waved and smiled at him so it was probably Sir George that the little girl was talking to. The palace was also home to the Erskine family in the 18th century and from what I can see, I might be wrong, but I do think that they were related to the Bruce family in some way or another because Mary Erskine, who is one of the other ghosts seen there, was as recorded as being uh, the granddaughter of George, so I do think they were related in some way or another. But yeah, Mary Erskine, who was uh, a lady who lived there during the 18th century, she is seen standing by the window with a bouquet of lavender, staring out proudly at the palace garden. So she is another pleasant ghost that just goes about doing her thing, doesn't bother anybody. And then there is the ghost of Colonel John Erskine. Uh, He is not a particularly friendly ghost and he is described as mischievous who enjoys wearing more feminine clothing. Now that's not the word that was actually used to describe him. He was described as a cross-dresser, which I just found really weird. He's said he has said to prefer the presence of males and isn't very fond of women. Many female visitors have claimed to feel heavy breathing on their necks and the feeling of being punched all over their bodies. Uh, I tried really hard to find out why he keeps being referred to as a cross-dresser and in all the source material I read, I could not find one thing stating that he liked to wear women's clothing so I am not 100% sure where that title has come from. I did see an article that said he enjoyed wearing skirts, but I don't know if they mean kilts, because I know that sometimes people who aren't Scottish like to take the piss a bit and call kilts skirts, uh, which they are not, and if you think that they are, then please educate yourself. And then there was something, then I kind of came across something about a painting of the colonel, in which he seemed to be wearing a dress, and I have actually seen the painting... And it just seems like traditional garb for the time period. I don't think it looks like female dress. But, you know, I'm not an expert. I could be completely wrong. And it's not a big deal. If he did like to wear dresses, then good on him. But I just think it's a bit weird to call him a cross-dresser based on one painting. Anyway, (laughs) there's a Scottish Sun article about the palace where someone from the paper... Who kind of works there? She's like a senior assistant or something like that. Uh, she went to spend the night at the palace, and it is honestly one of the most bizarre things I've ever read. I'm not saying the things in this article never happened or that the reporter is lying about her experiences, but honestly, just in a personal opinion, I think it's a bit of a piss take. The Sun isn't exactly top tier reporting, but just go read it if you want to laugh. Like it's insinuated that the ghost of George, uh, he, you know, he had mistresses and stuff based on a Ouija board session. It's alleged that uh, George, the ghost of George and the ghost of the colonel both, you know, were trying to seduce the reporter. So just go read it if you want to laugh. It is really funny. But uh, as I said, I do personally think it's a bit of a piss take. Among the ghost scene around the palace there are just strange things that seem to go on there voices are heard footsteps in empty rooms temperature fluctuations and the smell of red wine flowing around the rooms now red wine do any of you listen drink red wine and enjoy it because I'm sorry I have no idea how you can do that I remember the first time I ever drank red wine I was at a friend's house and her mum used to drink it like she would have like a glass of wine every day like exposing her. She used to have a glass of wine every single day, like after dinner. And every time I would go to their house, I would see her drinking it. And in my head, I assumed that red wine tasted like grapes, like you know, like grape juice or like really diluted grape juice. For years and years and years, that is what I thought red wine tasted like. And then one day when I was 18 and I was old enough, she was like, oh, do you want to taste it? So I tasted it and and honestly, it just blew my mind at how disgusting it was. It tasted like vinegar, like really, really potent vinegar. I don't know if that's just my taste buds. Obviously, people do drink it and enjoy it. But, you know, hats off to you, I have no idea how you can do that. I drink whiskey, I'm a whiskey drinker, and I know that other people are like, oh my god, I I don't know how you can drink that. So, you know, same thing, just, I just don't know how you do it. So there's a lot of electrical issues that go on in the palace. One of them being that the motion sensor lights in the men's bathroom and some of the hallways Uh, they're constantly having to have their batteries changed because they just seem to switch themselves on and off when nobody is in the building. So, you know, that could obviously just be an electrical issue or a wiring issue, but if it's a sensory bulb and it's going off when there's nobody there, that is a bit odd. Then there is the fire alarms and the security (laughs) alarms, which have become a very big problem in the village. The palace is obviously a, a pretty big collection of buildings, so it's huge. And when the alarms go off, it's pretty loud. So when, this, so when these alarms go off in the middle of the night and sometimes the early hours of the morning, it disrupts a lot of people living nearby. When the caretakers and, you know, all that stuff, they show up to see what's going on and they just can't find any explanation as to why these alarms keep going off. And it actually got so bad that the National Trust had to issue an apology to nearby residents for the ongoing issues. And they've said that they've tried several different security companies, several different alarm systems, and nothing seems to change. They just keep going off and they have absolutely no explanation as to why. So that is very, very strange. And can you imagine being the caretaker? Like, every time the alarm goes off, you've got to, like, get up and, like, run around a building. Because I work in a building here in Glasgow that uh is a listed building and we don't have a caretaker, like, who lives in the building. He obviously lives in his own house, but he lives all, like really far away from the building and anytime the fire alarm goes off and he's not, anytime the fire alarm goes off and he's not present, he has literally got to get in his car and drive all the way to the building. Uh, I know that one time we have sensory alarms as well, so like after a certain time at night, there's, there should be nobody in the building. So they just like automatically come on and one of the people in my team left the heater on, like the heater at the wall. And like, you know how there's like some air that comes out the heater sometimes and it's like, it'll it will cause the blind to move and stuff. So somebody left the heater on and it was like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and the blind actually, no, I think it was like two or three in the morning because we got in a lot of trouble. It was like two and three in the morning and the heater managed to like hang it, blow out enough air that it hit the blind above it. And the blind started moving, so then it set off all the sensory alarms and the <laughs> the caretaker in the building had to come all the way out at, at three in the morning and he, as I said, they lived a, a good hour or two away from Glasgow. Yeah, we got in a lot of trouble that day, <laughs> we get moaned at a lot. So since that day, we've made sure that every single heater is off before we leave the building. But folks, that is all I have for you about this beautiful little town if you want to know more there are plenty of books on the subjects I've spoken about today as well as tours that you can take around the town itself so if you find yourself in the area do give it a visit and let me know what you see or hear Or if you've been, get in touch and let me know about your experience if you had any. As always, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode and I am so excited to share our upcoming episodes with you. I had so much fun looking at them. I had so much fun researching them. So please stay tuned for those guys. Uh, I hope you have an awesome weekend and I will definitely see you in the next one. Stay weird. Stay scared. Bye friends. (laughs)